This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture and I'm Juliet Jacobs. It's International Day of Forest today and local environmental journalism portal Makaranga recently released a series of four articles investigating forest plantations in peninsular Malaysia, keenly supported by state governments and touted as a reliable and renewable supply for timber. Makaranga's year-long investigation reveals that forest plantations in peninsular Malaysia have instead incurred high costs, have not delivered on promises and have has emerged as one of the top drivers of forest cover loss. So what is all of this? Well, today I'm joined by Dr. Lau Yao Hua. He is an environmental journalist. He's also the editor of Makaranga and a fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. And he's joining me to share the findings of this investigation. Welcome, Yao Hua. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good, Julia. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. So, I mean, first of all, congratulations. You know, this is an amazing piece of work for uh, really, really in-depth and very, very interesting articles that you released. Um, can we just quickly find out why Makaranga produced this four-part series? I do know it was in collaboration with, I mentioned earlier, Rainforest Investigations Network at the Pulitzer Centre. Can you just uh, yeah, give us a brief explainer about the genesis of this study? Yeah, so, um, you know, forest plantation. So I, this is like a year-long uh, investigation. Uh, and the main goal was really to investigate the sustainability of forest plantations here in Peninsular Malaysia. So, you know, forest plantations, uh, they are basically tree farms, which means that, you know, an area, whether it was forested or not before, it would be cleared and then replanted with uh, typically a single species of fast-growing trees. So the idea is that you know, it's like a farm of, of uh, rubber trees, acacia trees, eucalyptus trees, uh, batai. And, and then you know, after 5 to 15 years, uh, that's, that's more or less the, the, the time frame, these trees would be cut for timber, and you know, so and then of course the same plot can be replanted again and again. So in cycles of you know five to fifteen or twenty years, yeah. and uh, I I was you know you know two years ago right, uh, Makaranga was looking at the the drivers of deforestation or forest loss in Peninsula Malaysia that was for our forest files, and during that time when I was you know looking through pouring through all the statistics on forestry data in Peninsula Malaysia, I realized that there is this segment uh you no know, forest plantations are taking up lots of area in forest reserves. Um and you know NGOs have already been complaining. Uh, they have raised their concerns that forest plantations are a major force of uh forest loss mm-hmm. in, in Peninsula Malaysia. Now, I, I, you know, reading the, all the literature, I know there are merits for forest plantations, you know, but the argument that I really wanted to, you know, sort of test is whether forest plantations, the way that they are being operated, planned, you know, and run in Peninsular Malaysia, uh, can they be considered sustainable? That means, you know, can they be sustainable in terms of their uh, impact on the environment, their uh, business finance, uh, sustainability, whether they make um, economic sense, mm. and also the impact on the community, the the, the human community, the, the social impact. So that was what I wanted to look at. Yeah. Okay. And it, as you said, it took you uh, about a year, right? And um, you spoke to many, many different stakeholders uh, on on all sides of the story, basically, right? Uh, maybe you can share who are those that you spoke to. 
Yeah, so, well, the main stakeholders would be, uh, of course, the state governments, right? Um, so that, well, maybe if, if I just tell you, like, you know, the, the, the process of having a forest plantation, then you, you, you get a sense of all the stakeholders involved. So sure. in Peninsular Malaysia, a forest plantation uh, can be developed really in, in on any uh, plot of land, uh, but they are almost all done, entirely done in forest reserves for reasons that we can talk about later, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so then the state government is involved because the approval has to come from the state government. The forestry department, the state forestry department reviews it and then submits it to, submits the application to um, the state government. The state government approves it. So that's two government stakeholders there, the forestry department and the state government. Mm -hmm. And of course, they are the developers who could be loggers themselves, who could be planters. Right. And then you have the rest of the wood industry players. They, they are the supposed buyers of all this timber coming up from the forest plantation. So you have sawmill owners, you have uh, paper and pulp mill owners, you know, et cetera, et cetera, furniture, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then of course, you have uh, the people living around or perhaps even within the forest that are uh, would be logged, uh, cleared for forest plantations. So we have some honestly, or you could have, you know, people living in towns around these locations. Um, yeah, and of course there are, you know, researchers, uh, conservation groups who are concerned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So these are all the stakeholders. I, I, I think we spoke to, I think we spoke to all these stakeholders, you know, uh, at, at, you know, at, at different places. You know, it's, it's a year-long investigation, and COVID certainly didn't help the field reporting, but we, we managed to squeeze some in. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I mean, you got really like first person, uh, you know, sort of insights into how things are. I mean, you know, changed my, the way I look at uh, planters, especially, and, and how all of these things are actually done. But um, let's talk a little bit about what you mentioned earlier, you know, why there is um, these sorts of plantations in uh, gazetted forest, right? So we know that in Peninsula Malaysia about, I think this is from the article, of course, you said that about 9% of forest reserves have been zoned to be cleared and turned into forest plantation. So I think for a lot of regular folk, that doesn't make sense, right? Forest reserves and then it being cleared. Can you explain in what context, you know, logging or, or I suppose in this case, selective logging uh, is allowed in such forest reserves? Right, sure. Um, so yeah, so this is the, the, it's a term that catches many people off guard, really. Uh, when, when we say permanent, in, in Peninsular Malaysia, we call our reserves, our forest reserves as permanent reserved forest. In Malay, it's hutan simpan kekal. Mm -hmm. And the term itself, you know, uh, captures the imagination and people think that, oh, they are, uh, you know, simpan kekal, like forever permanently reserved. And we think that it's for conservation, right? It's yeah. for the environment that they are kept intact as such and no, no disturbance. At most, we go in and do some hiking and, and that kind of stuff. But that is actually, of course, uh, not the truth. And that was not the, that was not even the, the, the point the origin of, 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 of all these uh, policies. So in Peninsular Malaysia, and I'm only talking about Peninsular Malaysia because that is, that, that is where I did all my research. Um, in Peninsular Malaysia, about 70% of our forest reserves are allocated for production use, timber production, which means right off from the start, 70% of our forest reserves are meant to be log for timber. By logging, it's selective logging, which means no clear cutting. So the foresters will go in and they tag you know, certain trees, there are large trees that the, the logger can cut 
and the loggers, you know, by 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 rule, uh, by regulation, they can only cut these trees. So then that plot of land, you know, that plot of forest would be logged. Say uh, this year, uh, there will be they try, you know, of course, to reduce the impact. It's, it's called reduce uh, impact logging. Mm-hmm. And then 25 years, it will be rested for 25, 30 years, so that the forest can regenerate at least theoretically. That's the idea. Uh, and then, you know, 30 years later, you can come back and log selectively log this plot of forest again. So that's 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 what we have been doing since like in the late. 70s. I mean, the policies really started, uh, you know, since the late 70s and the early 80s. So that's what we have been doing. But forest plantations is a bit different. It's actually quite different. It's uh, it's where the foresters would zone. So the there was zone the, the the area in the reserves for forest plantation, and this area uh, would not be selectively locked. Instead, you know, the developer can go in and clear the whole area. And then, as I said, you know, replant with a single species. So, uh, and, and the whole idea is to supplement the timber supply for the wood industry, for the domestic wood industry, because the selective logging that I described uh, earlier on have somehow, um, well, it has certainly limited the uh, timber supply coming out of our natural forests, And there is a decline in timber production uh, since the early 90s. I think the peak was somewhere in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just kept declining and it has held steady at about 4 million cubic meters uh, in, for the last about 10 years. Uh, but that is actually, I guess, insufficient uh, for the industry because the industry has a mill, a sawmill capacity four times of that. Okay. Right. So if the market allows it, uh, there's a question here whether the market can actually buy 16 million cubic meters of, of timber, but they actually have the capacity to, to process that. But we are only producing like 4 million uh, instead of 16 million. So the forestry policies uh, want to increase or to augment, uh, sorry, to, to supplement that, that timber production through forest plantation because it's easier to manage, you know, and you just have this single species of fast growing tree. You don't have to wait 30 years. You, you, you just do 15 years and then you get a lot more volume mm. per area. Now, so, so, so that's the gist of it. And, and uh, it was most, forest plantation is not new. It has been done in Peninsular Malaysia like, you know, since the early 1900s and most, almost entirely state run until the last 15 years where there was a huge push for privatization in this industry. And so then private sector was, you know, uh, enticed to, to invest in it. And the the nine percent, so the nine percent of forest reserves that you said is not you know, zone for forest plantation, it was a decision made in 2012 mm. by the National Land Council, uh, in which they zoned about four hundred and thirty nine thousand hectares of reserves yep. for forest plantation. So that's nine percent of our reserves. So that means state governments, you know, each state got their own quota out of this 439,000. Uh, Kelantan, I think, I suspect Kelantan, I, I never got to see the whole list, yeah, but I suspect Kelantan has the largest quota at 200,000. 199,000, 199,000, let's call it 200,000. Mm-hmm. I think they have the largest. Uh, so in this area, they can, the state government can zone it and, and, and clear it for forest plantations. So, so yeah, so that's, uh, so I, I, yeah, the, I guess the motivation of the policies, it's, it's, it's understandable. 
mm. uh, perhaps not acceptable to many. Many of us, yes. Yeah, but I think it's understandable. Uh, and they also argue that if we have steady and, you know, like good enough supply coming out of forest plantations, then we don't have to log the natural forest as much. That's also part of the argument. But it's, it's a secondary argument. The main argument, the main trust is to produce timber for the wood industries. Yeah. Okay, all right. We're going to go for a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you what are degraded forests, what's meant by that exactly. I'm speaking today to Dr. Lau Yaohua. He's an environmental journalist. He's also the editor at Makaranga and a fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. We are taking a look at uh, Makaranga's four-part series which investigated forest plantations in Peninsula Malaysia. We'll be back with more after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Joining me today is Dr. Lau Yaohua. He's an environment journalist. He's the editor of Makaranga and also a fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. And together with um, you know Makaranga, in collaboration with the Rainforest Investigations Network, uh, they released a series of four articles which investigated forest plantations in Malaysia. And uh, Yaohua is helping to explain what that is and whether you know forest plantations are living up to all that they're meant to be. Um, Yahua, you know, it is International Day of Forest today, so we're talking about this, of course. Um, you know, earlier you were talking about how um, forest reserves have been zoned to be cleared, turned into forest plantations and all of that, right? Um, and, I mean, forest plantations, what they're meant to do is to turn degraded forests, right, into, as you said, sustainable timber supply in Peninsula Malaysia. Um, I think an important question, which you also raise in the investigations, is what are degraded forests exactly? Maybe you could help explain that? Yeah, um, so this point of degraded forest is important because um, the forestry department, Peninsula Malaysia, that means the headquarters, right, of all the forestry departments in uh, Peninsula Malaysia, uh, sometime in 2010, they released, actually, even way before that, there was already a manual uh, for foresters on, you know, how they should go about developing and uh, establishing a zone as forest plantations, but let's let's look at the circular that was released by the director general of the forestry departments in 2010. In there, uh, they actually outline the conditions for uh, designating a site for forest plantation. There were four conditions, uh, and all four conditions relate to the site being degraded or damaged uh, by past fire, uh, illegal logging, encroachment, right? Uh, the word they use is terosot, uh, which is you know, we, we call it you know degraded forest. Then, uh, in there, they, you know, damaged by past fires and illegal logging, it's not quantifiable, right? They didn't yeah. say how much of fire, how much of pest, uh, but there is a quantifiable term in one of those four conditions, which is uh, it says that if the site has uh, the site is considered degraded uh, if it has. Uh, timber volume, like standing trees, the volume of the standing trees is less than 153 cubic meters per acre. Okay. Sorry, per hectare, per hectare. Sorry. Okay. So 153 cubic meters per hectare. If it's less than that, then the forest is considered degraded. So, no, of course, being a journalist, <laughs> once you have a number, you can start you know, applying it across Peninsula Malaysia and see where are these degraded forests because you, you can't get a map <laughs> of degraded forests. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't have such a map. But so 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 the, the, the idea that forest plantations uh, 
are to be developed on degraded forests, uh, it, it it makes more sense, right, than developing it on good forest, right? If yes. The, if 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 it's meant to be sustainable, if it's meant to be also to take into account conservation and all the other ecosystem values of a forest, then of course you know if you have a good forest, you should leave it intact. Uh, if you have a bad piece, you know, a piece of like really degraded land, then yeah, then I guess it it it's it's, it's good. Uh, I, at least there's more rationale, you know, to to develop that as a forest plantation. So let's look at whether it's carried out as such, you know, that the forest plantations were, were only were only um, developed on degraded forest. Yeah. So I look up the National Forestry Inventory. Uh, so every 10 years, we would, the agencies would do this inventory of all the forests in Peninsula Malaysia to look at the quality of forests that's left. So the latest one was done, uh, the fifth one was done in 2010 to 2013. And when I look at that, uh, lo and behold, this threshold of 153 cubic meters per hectare, <laughs> so it when applied to the National Forestry Inventory, like more than half of the forest area, more than half of the forest surveyed in this uh, inventory is actually degraded. Okay. Like, uh, so it, okay, let me put that in in, in uh in, in more simplified but slightly you know a bit of a not thinking a, a bit misleading but a, a lot more simplified <laughs> terms, which is to say that more than half of the forest in Peninsula Malaysia is degraded according to the definition uh, set by the forestry department. Right. Okay. Right. So that just blew my mind, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> it would be that, wow, okay. So then uh, it, it means two things. It means that forest plantations can be, if they want to, uh, you know, develop on half of the forest reserves or forests in Peninsula Malaysia. That's one. The other thing is it really begs the question of how successful has our sustainable forestry management been in the past decades, if it has led to more than half of our forests being degraded. But but the, the thing is, you know, and, and conservationists have been, uh, you know, uh, barking up on this uh, for quite some time, is that what is degraded forest now, if you just let it be, or if you put in reforestation efforts, rehabilitation efforts, you know, it will be, it will regenerate um, over time. Mm -hmm. You know, it could take decades for sure. Um, but it will regenerate into a very healthy, uh, you know, well all rounded functioning uh, forest, right? It 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 would take time for you to produce the timber that you wanted that you want, but it, it would regenerate into a very good forest. So so what more, you know, if we take good forest and then you uh, turn it into a forest plantation that is even a larger waste in terms of ecosystem functions of the forest? You know, the theme for this. Uh, International Day of Forests uh, for 2022 is forests and sustainable production and consumption. Yeah, yeah. The the, the key word here is of course always you know sustainable, right? What we are, what we're talking about sustainable. So I think the yeah, and, and and in my investigation, in my conversations with you know the the, the foresters, you know the Kelantan State Forestry Director. I mean, he himself told me that yeah, you know, we we try to go for the degraded forest, but because of practical reasons, you know, if there's zone and area uh, for forest plantations, and you know, uh, right in the midst of that, there is a pocket of good forest. 
I mean, they're going to zone that also as forest plantations because it just makes it, it because it's more convenient and more conducive for the planters to just, you know, do the whole area rather than have pockets of it where they cannot touch. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so that's part of the, yeah, there are many problems in there. Like, there are many problems in there. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that is what you, uh, your investment investigations reveal, isn't it, all of these problems. But, you know, the basic one is that these plantations have cut lots of forests without any guarantee of harvest dates or yields, right? Am I correct yeah. in saying that? Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's that's one of the main problems. That's the, I guess, the economic side of it. Yeah. That's the, you know, you know, when we look at forest plantations, you know, we can argue, we can examine it from the environmental aspect, you know, whether it makes environmental sense. Then we can also, you know, uh, sort of like dissect it uh, on the economic sense, on the financial sense, whether you know, put aside all the environmental uh, values, which we shouldn't, but let's say we put it aside and just look at the business of forest plantations. Can the government, can the wood industries, uh, all the planters, you know, even get back their returns on investment? And can we, after you know, planting and clearing all these forest reserves, I mean, we have cleared about, you know, since 2012, since 2012, uh, Peninsula Malaysia has approved to clear. I'm sure most of this has been cleared already. You know, 185,000 hectares of forest reserves. This is since 2012. 185,000 uh, of, of, of uh, forest reserves. And so after having cleared this, uh, how likely are we to able to get the, the, the timber that we want? And the funny thing is, uh, nobody knows really. <laughs> mm. Because even the foresters, because the, 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 the thing is, they... The, the governments and the agencies, you know, they approve these uh, permits, this uh, license for the forest plantations inside the reserves. But they are not, uh, but the planters are not obligated to harvest or to produce the timber at any time or at any certain volume. Okay, they, they are limited by what they can plant, that's for sure. But there is no obligation for them to harvest at any one time. So it's it's up to them to make that business decision. Mm. And, you know, having spoken to the planters, I went to Kelantan because Kelantan is the state with the most forest plantations in Peninsula, Peninsula. Malaysia. A, yeah, a close second would be Pahang. I'm quite sure, you know, based on the trajectory in, the, in just a couple of years, Pahang would overtake Kelantan in terms of area. So Pahang is definitely the next place to look. But just going back to Kelantan, so many of the planters are struggling with labor. You know, all, all industries in Malaysia are struggling with labor. But, you know, agriculture and plantations have been struggling with labor for a very, very long time. And the pandemic has just, you know, uh, awesome. made that even worse. Yeah, mm -hmm. worse than that. And, and they have always been relying on, I guess, cheap foreign labor. And when that has when that is no longer available, suddenly you see these plantations, these forest plantations. Many of them are actually rubber tree, rubber trees. They plant rubber trees, so you see rubber tree plantations overgrown with shrubs and weeds. And you know, I entered a few, and it's like the the mosquitoes are breeding in all the collecting cups because nobody were collecting, nobody were tapping. They 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 had no workers mm. to tap it. So they are the, for the bosses. They are looking at lost revenues. And to me, it seems like everything is just at a loss because uh, you have cleared it, that you planted it. These are the ones that planted. You know, we can talk about the ones that didn't plant later. So they, they, they planted it, but then now they're not able to maintain it, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
even if they could maintain the rubber trees, they actually value the latex more than the timber. Right. Just the way the market is working now, because yeah, the rubber wood is actually very cheap. Yeah. Suppress the price more or less. Yeah. So the latex is actually fetches a better price. So they want the latex. So they don't want to cut the trees. The government has this plan for the uh, for the planters to cut at the 15 year or in the 16 year. But the planters are saying no, no. We are going to grow until it's like 20 or 25 years, and then we'll cut because in Kelantan they are given leases, land lease of 50 years. So if they do it in a 25-year cycle, they can do it twice. Okay. And they've counted that's like the best thing for them. So they're going to do that. So you know, when I ask the government agencies, like, hey, do you have an idea like how much wood are you going to get? They can't tell you. Okay. Truthfully, they cannot tell because... And, and they can't compel them either, right? Because of no, that 50-year no, lease, no. they cannot compel them to, to, do, to do whatever. To, to harvest. To they, harvest, they cannot yeah. compel them to harvest. Now, of course, it's... It ultimately, you say they cannot compel. It's the state governments. You know, the state government has the ultimate power. I That's mean, right. if they want to, of course, I think they can. But it, it, it could be. I guess there will be legal uh, repercussions there. Mm. The thing is, uh, there is a program under the ministries uh, under MPIC under uh, yeah and under under that ministry where uh, there is a program uh, called the Forest Plantation Development Program in Malay. It's uh, PPLH. And where they give out, where the government gives out soft loans to the planters, right, right. And to help them uh, develop the forest plantations, and the planters uh, have to repay, start repaying the loan uh, in the 16th year. So it's a 15-year loan, and then the 16th to 20th year they must repay all the loans. Uh, it's a it's a interest rate of about three percent per annum. Okay. So so the idea is that. In the 16th year, when they want to, when they must repay the loan, they have to cut the trees. But that's not the case because the planters told me, yeah, I think we can, we can repay the loan uh, bit by bit without cutting the trees because the latex is better. And they're saying, if we cut all the trees now, we won't have enough to repay the whole loan because the rubber trees, uh, the rubber wood is, 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 is cheap. So, yeah, so, so that's the buying now. Um, and how so, can you fault them either, right? I mean, how are they going to pay the loans? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so, so that's you know, you know, the the problem there is, you know, as as a journalist looking from the outside in, and I've read the literature, spoken to the people, it seems there's a bit of a mismatch uh, between within the whole system, between the policy makers, between uh, and, and the planters, the loggers, and the buyers, right? The the sawmills, you know, the mm. price that they are willing to pay for it, um, and all these ideas that the policymakers have of, oh, you you will have to cut a padahal. When it comes to the time, if they cut the rubber wood, it seems that like they won't be making like more profit than they would if they keep the latex. So who's going to cut, right? And then, so you don't get the timber that you expect to get yet. Uh, so, so who knows when you get it? I mean, eventually, of course, you will get it, but it's not coming according to plan, right? Mm. So, so what are the economics of that? Yeah, and of course... Uh, there's also another aspect in which I cover in the story that uh, because of the labor problem, they are finding the planters are finding that rubber wood, uh, rubber trees are hard to maintain. So they are switching away, at least in Kelantan, they're switching away from rubber trees to uh, trees like batai, uh, yeah. which is uh, much easier to care for, and they can cut in like you know like seven eight years. Um, and so and yeah, which is a higher price, right? No, no, it doesn't necessarily fetch a, oh, okay. a higher price per se, but because you, you, you don't have to put in the labor, there's less maintenance. So okay. you are, you know, it's just so your easier. Your costs and go you, down. Your costs go down. Yeah. So then, but it's batai, the timber that is needed by the local wood industries. You know, rubber wood was 
prioritize because our furniture industry uses like you know like eight more than eighty percent of the supply uh, from for the furniture industry is rubber wood mm-hmm. in Peninsular Malaysia. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but if they're switching over to Batai, then again we we ask what happened to the original economics of the whole plan? Uh, would there again be a big mismatch uh, when it comes to the eventual buyers and and, and suppliers, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, these are all the economic side of it. Okay, and I think you know some of the the yeah. planters. They said that you know they would never do this again if they had to because uh, some yeah. of the <laughs> the ones who started it, the the pioneer group, I think they're like yeah. it just doesn't make any sense to do this. Yeah, yeah, that's quite revealing, isn't it? Like there's um, well, not all are so pessimistic. Okay. Uh, the, the truth is, regardless of what they say right now, right? They have already invested millions yes. into it, millions and, you know, a decades of work into the the plantations, you know, they are stuck with it. So yeah. of course, you know, some of them are optimistic. Some of them are extremely pessimistic, uh, <laughs> but they try to put up a brave front. The one that you mentioned is, yes, uh, his company is a, is a pioneer uh, in the privatization of frost plantations in Kelantan. And yeah, I know he's one of the biggest, you know, uh, foresters visit his company. So, you know, okay, it should be like, you know, uh, a, a good example, right, yeah. of, of one in Kelantan. And yeah, and he's, I asked him, like, you know, if, if, uh, if, I'm, if I'm interested to do frost plantations now and I, I come to you for advice, what would you say? He said, oh, don't, don't do it. Don't do it now. At least not rubber tree. Yeah, definitely don't do it. I regret doing it. There are so many obstacles, you know. If we do some other thing, we could get far better investments. Okay. Yeah. Very telling, as you said, yeah. and and yeah, quite shocking as well. It's very interesting for me, uh, you know, you, I guess we always paint, uh, you know, planters and foresters as the bad guys, but it's interesting because they also came into this, uh, you know, looking at long-term initiatives that benefit both the economy and the environment, right? But as you said, there seems to be a mismatch and it doesn't seem to be coming, um, both sides don't seem to be uh, gaining from it, at least now, lah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, there's, there's uh, the the, uh, the ones you have been we have been talking about are the ones who actually planted, right? Yeah. So they cleared the forest and then they planted. So, and there's a bigger bunch, a bigger group, just in terms of area, uh, where they had, they got the approval to develop the forest plantations. Uh, they they cleared the land, they cleared the forest, uh, which means they log it you know, like Chuchi Manko kind of logging. Yeah. And then they sold all the timber, but then they did not replant. Like years after they've done that, they did not replant. And it shows in the statistics, say, for example, like, you know, I, I said 2012, you know. So so since 2012 to year 2020, about 185,000 hectares of reserves had been approved for clearing. Okay. 185,000. But by 2020, only... 59,000 has been replanted. Wow. Yeah. So this is from 2012 to 2020. So you can see, you know, there is like, it's, you know, there's like 130,000 or 120,000 hectares that had been cleared, but not replanted. Okay. If we can give that, we can, we can give a bit of a benefit of that saying that, oh, you know, after you clear that you need to have a few years, maybe a year to, to prepare the site and then replant it. Right. They're usually given six months to a year. Let's give them three years even. Uh, let's be generous and give them three right? years. Yeah? Okay. So, so even if we take 2017 as a cutoff date, by 2017, from 2012 to 2017, about 112,000 hectares of reserves had been cleared. 
112 have been cleared. Okay. Three years later, you know, four years later, only 60,000, like 59,000 had been replanted. So yeah, it's like, you know, half of it at least uh, mm. had been cleared, but not replanted. So, and, and, and they know this is a problem. I mean, the planters who I spoke to, whose, whose uh, fields I visited, you know, they, they can speak loud because they planted so they can speak loudly and clearly. And, <laughs> and, and sort of like their conscience is clear, at least, you know, on their, on their side. Mm. So they, they say, yeah, there are loggers, you know, there are planters who only come in for the quick profit from, you know, selling the original timber on the forest reserves. And then after that, they eat those, those loggers uh, or planters that either did not come in for the planting itself originally, that means they were motivated uh, entirely for the felling. for the logs, mm-hmm. yeah, for the felling. Or maybe they had wanted to do the plantation after, maybe, but then they realized it was way more difficult than they had imagined. Mm. You know, that planting is a totally different beast, right, compared to clear felling. I mean, clear felling is in the ask any logger, they say, ay, ay, easy lah. Especially <laughs> if it's a clear fell, the whole thing just going bam, 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 bam. Clear fell, the whole thing is like easy, you know. But then to plant is, is really difficult, like technically, and then the financial investments that you have to put in for like, you know, at least five to seven years before you even get any return yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. So again, uh, where is the monitoring? Where is the enforcement? I mean, the foresters are, are now picking up. They know this problem too. I mean, they admit right off that this is a serious issue. And we do see some reaction that they are cancelling all these like uh, abandoned permits, right? And then start uh, tendering it again to uh, hopefully, you know, genuine planters. Uh, we should also mention that the uh, that the government, the, sorry, the forestry department and then uh, through the national Land Council has recently just imposed like a 15-year moratorium right. on new forest plantations. Yeah. So they say, oh, those zones that have not been approved yet, stop approving uh, for 15 years. But of course, lah, it's, ultimately, it's up to the state governments to decide if they want to follow this mor- moratorium or yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also up to the state governments to take to task those people who did not replant, right? And I think from your investigations, that's not actually happening. Um, uh, I, I don't think I can say it's not happening. Okay, but um, but but then the 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 ones who did not fulfill their obligations, right? So they they are supposed to plant, but they did not plant. Then they would definitely have forfeited their deposit. There's a plantation deposit uh, in Kelantan is three thousand per hectare. Apparently, there's no such deposit required in Kedah. Hmm. Uh, I do not know. Uh, but in Kelantan, there is that 3,000 per hectare. So if they don't plant, then this amount would be forfeited uh, to the state government. Uh, but, you know, uh, a planter also told me that if it's a rich forest to start with, then the gains, the windfall profit from clearing that and selling those timber will be more than enough to cover this penalty. Oh. So then you just pay the penalty and I guess you, you, still, make a, you still make a profit. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's where the problem is. Lah. Okay, all right. One more quick break, Yahoo, and we'll come back and talk about um, you know, part four of the series where you actually spoke about the impact to the indigenous communities there, the Orang Asli. I'm speaking today to Dr. Lau Yahua. He's an environmental journalist. He's also the editor at Makaranga and a fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. We're talking about the four-part series which investigated forest plantations in Peninsula Malaysia, which Makaranga released recently. We'll have more after this one more break. You are listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. 
Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. It's International Day of Forest today and I'm speaking to Lau Yahua, an environmental journalist and the editor of Makaranga. He's also a fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. And Makaranga, together with the Rainforest Investigations Network and Pulitzer Centre, released a series of four articles which investigated forest plantations in Malaysia. I mean, did they deliver on all their promises? Um, you know, from speaking to Yahua, it doesn't seem to be the case. Um, so Yahua, before this, you know, you explain how it works, what are the issues. Um, but one of the issues also is, of course, as you mentioned, the impact on the local communities who who rely on these forests, right? And, you know, part four is a very, uh, I would say, a very human touch to all of this, right? You you witness some very interesting uh, uh, Indigenous communities, ceremonies, which are related to, you know, uh, wood in the forest and all of that. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, part four was uh was was really fun to write uh, compared to the first three parts. Uh, because part four, you know, it's uh it's finally where we can get to put a lot of colors into the story. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So part four describes the impact of forest plantations on uh, Orang Asli village uh, called Kampung Kaloi in uh, the Gua Musang uh, area, uh, that era of uh, of Kelantan. Mm-hmm. And but basically, you know the. Uh, Communities that rely on the forest for materials, for foods or medicine, you know, whatever it may be, um, you know, they, they would suffer uh, when that diverse natural forest is replaced with a single species of trees. Yeah. Right? So that's the, that's the gist of it. Um, now, of course, you know, Orang Asli's, you know, many of the Orang Asli's uh, to no longer live in the forest, right? They live by the forest. Yeah. Uh, but then they were still, you know, many of their ceremonies, uh, many of the medicines that they use uh, still come from the forest. And, and in this case, uh, I was fortunate enough to visit Kampung Kaloi uh, back in November. And so fortunately, uh, I arrived and it was like the third night of their four-nighter ceremony called a sewang. A sewang is a ceremony where the shaman or, of the village, uh, the tokhalak, would sort of like summon the spirits um, and ask for guidance. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, it was to ask for guidance uh, into the health of uh, a, a member of the village, right? Okay. And so, yeah, so I was there and um, and it, it was obvious to me, you know, like halfway into the sewang that the materials that they were using, the essential materials, for example, the leaves, you know, the chalon leaves, the palas leaves, uh, the bamboo that they were using to as uh, like, you know, those bamboo tubes they were using to stamp on you know, for, for the music, for the rhythm. Mm. Um, and the, the incense that they use, like all came from the forest. Mm-hmm. And even the, the paro, which is the community hall, the balai, uh, in which the ceremony was held, you know, was made from uh, rattan, from bamboo, from uh, palm leaves, all collected from the forest. So it, it was like, oh, okay. It's quite obvious to me that without the forest, this ceremony would be almost impossible to, to do. So I asked them about that, and, and, and it is true. So what used to be very common and easily found in adjacent forest for this Orang Asli, they are of the Termia tribe, has now been it's now very difficult to get. So like the like the bamboo, they have to go like you know 15 kilometers away. The uh the leaves, they have to go like you know 50 kilometers away. It was it was very ironic because I I can 
I think it's the Chalon leaves, right? The Chalon leaves, they actually had to go to Guamusang town or city. Uh, sorry, Guamusang people, if I call your town, uh, your city a town. Um, yeah, they had to go to like a, a, a regenerating forest uh, behind the Guamusang public hospital uh, to get those leaves, you know, it's like 50 plus kilometers away, you know, and, and the road to go out is very difficult. Like I almost couldn't get into Kampung Kaloi, you know, in November it was, you know, not yet like the main rainy season, but it was getting into it. Uh, a few weeks later, the whole road is just flooded. It's just flooded. It's just like devastated by the rains. And I, 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 there would be no way for me to go in. So I was pretty fortunate to be there. So yeah, so all the all the materials that they needed, it's it's very difficult for them to get now. So that's one thing. So it's it's not just like a, a physical suffering uh, from for you no know, physical suffering could be you know they they suffer the wildlife conflict. You know the elephants, the tigers, which we have read off, yeah. uh, displaced uh, alleged, allegedly you know displaced by the forest plantations, and then are now increasingly coming into barging into their farms. Or even their their villages itself. So these are physical suffering, and you know, not having enough to eat. For example, if their farms were damaged, that's physical suffering. Not having places to plant their ubi, you know, which or all their vegetables, which they told me about. So that's physical suffering. But then there's also that emotional and cultural suffering. A loss of, I guess, uh, a, a a break in the thread of traditions. You know, going back generations, right? When your environment is converted, like totally changed. Yeah. You know, the culture is the environment, right? There's this link there. And so it's, to me, it's also a loss of cultural identities when they lose the trees. Um, so, so yeah, so that's the social impact. And, and, and this Orang Aslis, they are not sitting, they are not sitting idly by while this happened. They are willing to, you know, sort of like, um, I guess, uh, fight for their, and I don't mean that in an aggressive way, I mean that in a determined way, to fight for their uh, rights um, as, as well, Malaysian citizens, and uh, they, have, they have their land rights. Mm -hmm. So they're willing to fight for that. So when we look at sustainability of forest plantations, right, one of the pillars of sustainability is the social impact. Now, you cannot have a good business if your neighbors are all angry at you. you. You can't run your business like that, right? You, you don't feel nice, right? And, and, and you have to, there are just all sorts of troubles that could come up, right? Mm -hmm. And definitely, if it's not sustainable socially in one place, then if you replicate it across many places, then you may have, you know, you may augment that problem again, and again, and again, and again. So, so that's part four, uh, looking at the social impact of uh, forest plantations on Orang Asli. Mm, and I think you mentioned also in that article, in that particular article, that you know they are not uh, part of these uh, talks, right? When these policies are, they're not part of the the, the discussion, lah, isn't it? Yes, there is maybe yeah. a rep who who answers on behalf of them, but in actuality, uh, the folks, the the actual communities, aren't consulted. Yeah, this this is uh, this is a very tricky issue, uh, and you know how it plays out depends on who you speak to, yeah. right? And again, you know, if when that happens, then it shows a, to me it shows like a breakdown in the communication and everyone just working in silos. So yeah, so this specific community, the uh, Kampung Kaloi, they are saying that nobody uh, consulted them, like the, the agencies did not consult them, uh, the developers did not talk to them when they want to start uh, developing the land. Uh, I tried to reach out to a developer who was clearing the forest uh, to the west, to the immediate west of this village, uh, but they refused to talk. So I don't, I, I didn't get their, their point of view there. Um, 
and but there are you know but there are also other orang asli villages for sure that agree or at least are not so uh not so against forest plantations right so we we have to acknowledge that there are different com- groups and, and compartments uh, within the larger orang asli community so uh, and very tellingly in kelantan uh I spoke to the forestry director and I told I asked him about you know this issue uh this complaints by the Orang Asli community in Kampung Kaloi and he told me that that the forestry department reached out to Jakwa which is you know the department of uh, indigenous peoples affairs uh, in charge handling uh, they're supposed their task with you know uh, I guess taking care of the social welfare and uh, just the welfare of the Orang Asli, yeah. right? And, and so the forestry department said that they spoke to Jakwa to get like a, a list of land of Orang Asli. Okay. And then Jakwa told them there's no such land. Ayoh. So then what you expect the forestry director to do? It's like, oh, we asked the, 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 the responsible agency, but the responsible agency said, oh, there, there's no such land. Um, so then, the forest, then to the forestry de- the, the department, then it's all just forest reserves not because by right if it's a uh, custom rights land or custom rights uh, area sorry reserve I, I don't remember the exact terms now sorry um, then it cannot be a forest reserve those two are mutually exclusive okay right okay so so then of course to him it's all forest reserves then right yeah. then it's fair game uh, I, I, I that would mean he has uh, he has authority la, or the state government has like full authority to give it out to developers and stuff la. yeah okay all right well I mean I'm afraid we're running out of time Yanghua. there's so much in those four articles um, you know what is the one thing that you really hope uh, readers will take away from it or what is it what is the one thing that you really want people to know from everything that you've investigated I think we, we should all realize we should all know that forests are not just timber right? Mm-hmm. Uh, forests have many values and used by many, many different parties. And they are, we, we should all learn to see forests as our own assets. We should have incentives to see forests as part of our assets. And we should really question our authorities, whoever la, it is, on the proper sustainable use of forests. Right. Mm-hmm. So given the stats that have been revealed, I mean, these stats are public, you know, it's not like I went to any OSA official secrets, you know, these are all public stats. It's all there. I just compiled it, you know, sort of like synthesize and analyze it. And so given all the stats, I think it's high time, hopefully, that we are better, better educated to really question uh, our policy makers, our state assembly people, uh, representatives, to make sure that the forests are, are well used. You know, if, if you need to develop forest plantations, so be it, fine, review it, uh, plug the gaps, address the flaws, make it great, increase the value. It is actually a very important point. Increase the market value, increase the value of our uh, plantation industries, of our wood industries, because, yeah, we are, we are not using technology. We are still relying on, like, you know, cheap labor, and there's no way we can proceed much further if we continue on this path. Okay. All right. Well, you know, all four of those articles are available at makaranga.org. Just, uh, I guess, search for the hashtag Ladang Hutan and uh, all four articles will appear. My thanks again to my guest today, Dr. Lau Yahua, environmental journalist, editor at Makaranga and fellow of the Rainforest Investigations Network with the Pulitzer Centre. We were taking a look at forest plantation projects in Peninsular Malaysia. If you miss any part of this interview, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash earth 
or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.